Let's stand together. Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15, verse number 1. Verse number 1. Then drew near unto him, speaking of Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which needs no repentance. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you for your goodness in our life, your mercy. Thank you for the choir. Thank you for the children that is sung this morning, the special song. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for your spirit that is so real in this place. I pray that you'd fill me. Speak to us through your word and help us. Let us see what we need to see. Change our lives today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing and thank you for being here. Amen. A lot of good things happening this year. A lot of things coming up. A lot of weddings. And uh, God is just good. God is just good. When I noticed here in Luke chapter number 15 as I was studying this yesterday, I noticed the outcast that came to Jesus. The Bible says there was a group of people, all of them, that had gathered together with him. The Bible calls out publicans and sinners. Publicans and sinners. When I began to study these publicans, it's simply just the tax collectors in Jesus' day. Remember now, they would work for the Roman government. And by the nation of Israel, they would all be considered traitors. These folks in Israel would see these tax collectors, and no doubt they had caused them and their family a lot of grief down through the years. No doubt that they would look at these tax collectors and they would think within themselves, they're a bunch of thieves is what they are. They have just taken advantage of me and my family. They would be considered traitors in the days of Jesus. Then he says that they was also all the sinners that was there. If you study this word sinners, it just simply means the immoral. It would be the unjust. I would have you to picture in your mind with me these people that are all around Jesus. They would be thieves that would be sitting there that day. They would be liars. Think about it now. There was some harlots that was in that crowd. No doubt there was some murderers that was sitting there. 
When I begin to picture all of these people, these publicans and these sinners that had came to Jesus, and the Bible says they came for a reason. They came because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They was all there that day. Not only was they traitors to Israel, but they was also traitors to men. Traitors to men. When we find ourselves in verse number 2, we see where the religious crowd, the Pharisees and the scribes, they begin to murmur. They begin to complain. They could not believe that this man received sinners and he'd eat with them. Now I want you to picture this with me. If you study the word receive, it means that Jesus accepted them. It means that Jesus allowed them to be there. Now, it's real easy here at this point to say them Pharisees and them scribes and those religious people, they just couldn't see what Jesus could see. And I'll say amen to that. They could not. But then the Lord began to give me a little different look at this and a, and a little different picture in to this scene. And I want, you to, I want you just to allow your mind to go there just for a minute. Remember now that Jesus was claiming to be the very Son of God. That Jesus was the Messiah. No doubt about it, these religious people knew that God was holy. These religious people not only kept the law, but as we are learning in Sunday school, they kept adding to the law, laws on top of laws, and laws on top of laws, which no man could ever keep. But you got a picture of this group of people is looking at Jesus, and they are panning the crowd. I'd say all of us would have been in that crowd, amen? They are panning the crowd, and they're saying, why is Jesus allowing these people to be around him? Now think about this. Even in the New Testament, believers are supposed to come out from among them and be separate. They are not to touch the unclean thing. Why in the world would Jesus accept them? Is Jesus accepting them because He's okay with their life? Is Jesus accepting them because His life runs parallel with their lives? What in the world is Jesus doing? I'll ask you this question. You ever been somewhere with your family? You ever been out to eat? Have your kids with you? And maybe look at your wife and kids and you see someone walking towards you and you say, Hey, hurry up and get in the car. You ever been there? You ever been somewhere and something going on and you say, Hey, don't look over there. Don't look over there. I was up at the hospital just the other day to check on Miss Haney, and as I was driving back, I, I had uh, Arlen with me, and, and Jim was in the car, and I was coming up through downtown Asheville, and there was a man standing there, had a big old stick in his hand, and right when we was getting ready to drive by, he slammed the stick down on the ground, and it busted, and he looked at the stick, and, and we got up there right beside him, and the, and the red light caught me. Well, I kind of, I was... And I kept looking, well, here he come. Here he come, walking towards the car. And I was like, what a blessing. 
The red light's red. Here's a guy done broke his stick on the ground. He looks rough, and he's walking towards the car. He gets over towards us. He goes around. I never said nothing to the other men because I didn't want to act scared, but I was a little nervous. I looked in my rearview mirror to see where he was going. I looked in the side mirror to see where he was going. He come around the edge. The light turned green, and I was like... Don't act like that's never happened to you. And what you and I need to realize is this is the people that was there. These people was there. And, and I would ask you women, all the women that's in the house who is either dating a young man or who is married uh, to the dream of your life, amen? I would ask you if your husband said to you, I'm going down there where the harlots are at and I'm going to sit down there and hang out and we're going to sit around and eat and talk to Jesus. I just want to ask you ladies, would that make you feel a little uncomfortable? What I'm trying to paint in our minds is, is here is a group of people that is filthy. Here is a group of people that is ungodly. Here is the worst of the worst and all of them are there. And the religious people just cannot, they just cannot figure out what in the world is Jesus doing with these people. How many of us are glad that Jesus, <laughs> amen. How many of us are glad that Jesus invited you to sit at the table one day, amen. Because the man that is preaching to you, I was in that crowd. And so was a lot of you. Jesus is sitting here with them. So Jesus says, I've got some stories I want to tell you. I've got some stories I want to tell you. I want to, I want to speak some parables to you. And then he begins. He begins. As I began to study this, I was thinking to myself, what an interesting thing here that happens. The story that is told. Look at it, if you will. What man of you, and then there's a little comma there, tells me that after Jesus made that opening statement, he took a breath. And I would say to you and I, what man of you? Jesus was addressing everyone that was there just as his word is still addressing every one of us that is here today. Every single one of you that are listening, the one who is preaching, the ones who are listening, those who are watching online, to every single human being that is breathing, what man of you, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? And go after that which is lost until he find it. Is there anyone here that if you had a sheep and it, and it went astray, would you not go after that sheep? Jesus is trying to get not only in the publicans and the sinners' minds, but he's also trying to get in the religious crowd's mind. He is trying to tell these stories for a purpose. One of them is lost. One of them is lost. When you study that word lost, it means to perish. It means to destroy. It means death. 
So let's think about what Jesus is saying to you and I this morning. Is there any one of you that if there was someone in your life that has gone astray, they are out in the wilds of the world, and they are dying out there, they are they are not only physically dying, but they are spiritually dying out here in the world. Is there any one of us here this morning that would not leave the 99 and go after that one who is perishing? Is there any one of you that would do that? Jesus sharing these stories to make his point. Where did they go and why did they go astray? First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. No doubt about it, they were something, something, or they were someone who got this sheep, who got this person's attention. No doubt about it, they were something or someone who caused this person to want to leave the security of the fold, want to leave the security of the family, want to leave the instructions of the Father and head out into the world and go out into a place that they were fixing to perish. They are fixing to die. They are going to lose their life and their soul will be damned forever. There is someone, something that has caused them to want to go that way. Is there any one of you who, if you had one in, in your family or your friend or, or a child that, that was out in the world, would, would you not go after that one? That's what Jesus is asking these people, the sinners, the tax collectors, the, the publicans, the, the, the religious crowd. He's trying to say, there is a reason that I'm eating with these sinners. And would not you do the same? Would not you do the same? I'm reading, and I'll share this, I'm reading again the book Pilgrim's Progress. And, and I know I mentioned that when I'm reading it a lot, but there is something in that book that applies to all of the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And at the end of chapter number 5, Listen to what I just read. It goes right along with what's happening in this text. Now, I don't want to lose you because the book is written in a real unusual way. And it's written in a story form. So I'm going to share this story with you. So don't let your mind wander and listen real close. And it paints this picture. Christian is walking along with a man by the name of Faithful. And Christian asks Faithful, says, Has they been anyone that you've encountered on our journey? And Faithful says, yes. I met this man, and his name is Adam the First. And when I met Adam the First, he said to me, he said, I would love for you to come home and marry my three daughters. He said, well, what is their names? He said, one daughter's name is lust of the flesh. 
The other daughter's name is lust of the eyes. And my youngest daughter's name is the pride of life. Christian said, well, what did you do when Adam the first asked you? He said, well, I entertained it in my heart. I thought about it in my mind. And there for a time I thought, you know what? I'm going home with Adam the first and I'm going to marry all three of his girls. He said, but then someone come pursuing me from behind and knock me down on the ground and stomp me on the chest and would show me no mercy. And every time that I would try to get up, that one would knock me back down and knock me unconscious and would not let me get up. He said, but there was another man who come along. And he said, he reached down for my hand, and I reached up for his hand. He said, the one who reached down for me had nailed scars in his hands and had a wound in his side. And he said, he reached down and grabbed me by the hand and picked me up. And he said, the one who picked me up was my Lord, and he was your Lord. He said, but who was the man who kept knocking you down and would show you no mercy? He said his name was Moses the Law. He said Moses the Law would never let me up. Moses the Law would never show me any mercy. Moses the Law kept stomping me down. Moses the Law did not, did not, did not, and would not let me up. And that is exactly what we see in this text. The law, the law, the scribes, the Pharisees, they seen those sinners and they could not picture in their minds how could they ever get up? How could they ever be lifted up? But they did not realize because of the man with the prince in his hand and the wounds in his side, he is our Lord. He's the one that will receive sinners. How to preach, amen. And we find that. Here in this text, and Jesus is trying to get this point across to them. As I continue to study, I find that he leaves the 99 in the wilderness and he, and he goes. Notice the place. Notice the place where they was at. Notice where he left them. He left. There was actually a hundred sheep. And all hundred of them had to have been in the wilderness. And he left the ninety and nine and he went after the one. And I studied the word wilderness. And if you was at camp Thursday night when Pastor Ricky preached, this will make sense to you. That word wilderness there is a dry place. That word wilderness means a lonesome place. But can I say to you that no matter where you are, if you're with Jesus, it's still a good place. And he left those ninety and nine in the wilderness. And he said this. He said, I have to leave you here. I'll be back, but I'm going to leave you just for a minute because I have to go after the one. And it don't matter who the one is. He is going after the one. Can you hear me this morning? He's going after the one. You remember when he come after you? Do you? I'm serious. I'm asking you. Do you remember... When the Lord come after you, do you remember when he was, where you was at? When he came and where he found you? And I am so glad that he was relentless in his pursuit after me. He did not give up. He stayed hot on my trail. Amen. 
all the way from Cub Road to a Medimic Calvary. He was right on my heels. And I'm glad I'm saved this morning. But you've got to understand who these people are. You've got to understand who they are. I, I have not shared, I don't think, this story here, but I did share it when I preached the other night. North Hazelwood Baptist Church, where my son-in-law and Miss Abigail's going to be pastoring. They already are pastoring. We're just going to ordain him tonight. Once a month, they have a ministry where mothers can come in and they can get clothes for their babies and they can get diapers. And all that was already set up. And then once a month, they go to the homeless shelter and they go down and they feed them and they talk to them and they share the gospel with them. That was already set up. Well, Jackson and Abigail got to go for the first time to both of those events that that church was having. And they were so blessed by it. But when they went to the homeless shelter the other day, Jackson preached the gospel. After the gospel message was presented, they left the area and they was out in the parking lot. Jackson and the chairman of the deacons was up on a hill talking to a man about salvation. Abigail was down in the parking lot talking to another lady about salvation. And about that time, she heard someone say, Is that a Bible? And she said, Yes. And she said, Dad, I walked over, and there was a woman that was sitting in a shopping cart, like an Ingalls buggy. She was in the cart and said she probably weighed about 80 or 90 pounds. Said she had sores and scabs all over. Said her eyes were sunk back into her head. Said her hands were so dirty they was black. Said she had no fingernails on her hands at all. And she kept digging and scratching and scratching her head and digging and scratching and scratching. And she said, I stood there and I looked at that lady and that lady looked at me. And she said, I asked her this question. Are you coming off of drugs? And she said, when I said that to that lady, she said she just started bawling, weeping, crying. And the lady said, yes. And Abigail asked her, said, are you saved? Are you a believer? She said, no. And she said, can I show you in the Bible how you can be? And that lady said, yes. And Abigail said, Dad, when I opened my Bible and I began to read down through the Scriptures, she said she took her dirty hand and she laid it on the pages of my Bible and she was following me as I was reading the Word of God. And she kept following and she kept following and she kept following. And she said, Dad, her hands was black, her fingernails was gone. And she said, about that time I looked up at her and she said to me, I want to be saved. And she said, Dad, I wish I could explain it to you. She said, but all of a sudden her face become beautiful and her eyes got fixed in her head and said her mind got clear. And she said, yes, I want to be saved. And she prayed out loud and asked Jesus Christ to be her Savior and Lord. Can I hear an amen on that? And let me remind you and I, that is exactly the people that Jesus was sitting and eating with that day. And he said, hey, and every time I hear a story like that, I remember a message that God laid on my heart. There's a mama out there somewhere. Don't ever forget that church. 
That lady in that shopping cart with that pink hair and them scars all over her arms and her face, she has a mama somewhere. Do you hear me? And some of the folks from North Hazelwood was joking, but they said to Abigail jokingly, Abigail, what are you going to do if that girl shows up Sunday in that shopping cart? And Abigail said, roll her to her seat. And she said all of a sudden, those who was joking got real serious and said, yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that's what we'll do. And I got some good news. They said that following Sunday, there was five homeless people that showed up and they all sit on the front row of the church. And you know what I say? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Because Jesus eats with sinners. He eats with sinners. <laughs> he's with sinners. And he's telling them, hey, wouldn't there be anyone here? Can you imagine Jesus Christ teaching this and saying to you and I, would there be anyone here? If you had a hundred sheep and one of them went astray, would you not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? And would you not go after the one? Would you not go after the one? Listen real close. I'm going to share this thought and then we'll finish the message. In story number one, Jesus goes after, the shepherd goes after the lost sheep. Jesus goes after the lost person. In story number two, the lady searches her house for a lost piece of silver. Jesus pursues and goes after until he finds. But in story number three, the father does not pursue the son. The son realizes who he is and he pursues the father. Don't miss that. I could almost flip this pulpit over right here. Because let me say, when Jesus finishes the story, here is how it's summed up. Jesus will pursue you. Jesus will pursue you. Jesus will come after you. The Holy Spirit will draw you and woo you. But when He draws you and woos you, when you realize that He is drawing you, and you realize that you need Him, and when He's coming after you and then you realize He's coming after you and then you say, I'm going after Him, something good is fixing to happen. Amen? You remember when He come after you? You remember when He dealt with you? And do you remember when you said, I'm giving up, I'm calling on Him? That's when big things happen in a person's life. Are you with me? So here He is. He's pursuing He's after. He knows that time is ticking. He knows that there is a soul in the balance. Hey, listen. Do you know? Do you know that souls are in the balance? Do you know that time is ticking? Do you know, listen to me, if you're not right with God, do you realize you need to hurry up and get on with it? 
Do you realize if there's somebody out there that you know they're out there, you better go quickly? Do you realize that this morning? Listen to me, child of God. I'm listening. Jesus is asking, is there a man? Is there anyone? Is there any one of you that if you know, you know that that person's out there, is there any one of you that would not just leave everyone that is sitting here and go after that one out in the wilderness? Would you not do that if you truly know that there's someone out there that is perishing? They're out there and they're dying this morning. They're dying. Would you not go? Until he finds it. And he found it. (laughs) And he laid on his shoulders and he rejoiced. Verse number 9, when she found the silver, she called her neighbors and her friends and they rejoiced. Verse 22, 24, and 32, when, when the son come home, they, they, they killed the fatty calf, and they was merry. In other words, they all rejoiced. There was a time of rejoicing. It was meat that we should make merry, the Bible said. It's time. It's, it's what you need to do. I wonder what would happen in a service like this. You know how we do this? You know we do this? Come on. You know we do that? And then we say, God is good. Woo! I wonder what would happen if every time after a message like this, someone got up and come forward, Brother Grayson. And while they was coming forward, this church started going. Huh? Wonder what would happen. God is good. That's exactly what happened when that man, that shepherd, when the Lord come bringing that sheep in, when that lady found that silver, when that son was headed back to the Father. You know what everyone did? They rejoiced. Just maybe the reason why we can't rejoice because we really hadn't prayed. Just maybe when a soul gets saved, the reason why we truly can't rejoice is because we hadn't prayed for any souls to be saved. Just maybe when that prodigal walks the aisle and we just sit there and we can't rejoice, it's because none of us prayed for any prodigals this morning. We just come to church saying, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to listen to the choir. That bald-headed man's going to preach for a few minutes. We're going to gather up. We're going to go home. Wonder what would happen if you and I got really invested in the things of God and said, Lord, would you please just come by one more time? God, would you please just save one more soul? Oh, God, would you please bring one more son and daughter home? And I'll thank you and I'll praise you and I'll rejoice. I'll rejoice because you're so good, God. Oh. There ain't no need to be a spectator. We need to start being participators. Did I say that right? The Holy Ghost know what I tried to say. Amen. We might as well get in on it. Just get in on it.
just Somebody come to the altar. This you would not believe it. I went to church on a Sunday morning, and there was somebody got up out of a pew and went down to an altar and called on a thrice holy God. And I got to see it. I really got to see someone talk to Jesus. But more than that, I seen Jesus talk to someone. <laughs> Oh, when I was living for the devil, when I was living for the devil, me and my buddies would get together and we'd go somewhere and we'd get in the thick of it. If you ever live for the devil, you know what getting in the thick of it means. And I'd be like, come on, man, come on. Woo, let's go. Let's do it. Somebody said, why do you get so loud? And why do you preach the way you preach? I'm going to tell you, if I give 90% to the devil, why can't I give 110 for Jesus? Amen. Because when I live for the devil and live in the world, I add on all of my friends. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now that I'm living for Jesus, I'm not going to get up here and say, brothers and sisters in the Lord. It'd be a real blessing to heaven if you would make a decision for Jesus Christ today. Amen. I am not going to do that. I'm telling you, you and I need to get excited when a sinner comes home. I like what Brother Cleve used to say. The only difference it makes is heaven or hell. That's not no big deal. Don't worry about it. And then it goes on and it says this. They was rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repented. You read on down about the silver, it says, They was rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. And when that son come to the father, the servants, and all of them was being married because the son come home. I'm not going to get up here and pretend like I know what they can see in heaven. I'm not going out on that limb because I don't know. There's some things. I'll just say this. There's a lot of things about heaven I just don't know about. I don't know what they can see. I don't know what they can't see. I don't know what they hear, and I don't know what they don't hear. But I'm going to tell you what I just read. In these three stories that Jesus is sharing to get a point across to the sinners and to the religious, he said when one of them repents, heaven is having a time. Heaven is having a good time. So here's the question, Miss Vicky. you're saved, say amen. amen. Now, now listen now. Are you where you need to be? Are you, are you where you need to be? Because if you're not, come on home. Come on home. 
And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord, you've never repented of your sins and asked Him into your life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that today, then come on home. Come on home. Come on. This is the service just for you. There's people coming to the altar. They're coming to the altar. There's people coming to the altar. There's people coming to the altar. They're coming to the altar. God is good. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, through His Word, is speaking to people this morning. Oh, Jesus is speaking to people. And people are coming to speak to Jesus. Do you realize what is taking place in this service this morning? You've been in church so long, you have forgot what's taking place right here. They're not talking to the preacher. They're talking to the Lord. And the Lord is talking to them. God is good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Oh, the Lord is good.